And we welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoplaw, C70 of the Bet, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, is Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on the Twitters. Um, we are now, what, basically two and a half weeks from opening day, Tara? And I don't know. I uh, We've talked about how it's kind of hard to follow in spring training just because of the weird game times. And this year... You know, like last night, I sat down to watch the game only to find out it was only on radio. And, you know, I mean, they're not just covering everything because of COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But it's just kind of hard to me to think that, wow, we're, you know, kind of halfway through here. We're really kind of getting to the point where, well, the Cardinals made their first cuts. We have to start somewhat paying attention. Some of this stuff starts to mean something. Yeah, it's to the point where, oh, I didn't see the game today becomes more of an issue than most of the rest of the spring training lead up to this point. And, you know, you start to care a little bit more about what the results are in terms of, you know, are hitters actually getting hits in counts that they'll see in games against pitchers that will be on major league staffs? Are the pitchers able to get important outs in moments in the game where it is high stress or are they able to limit base runners or you know are you mixing in the same guys in the same circumstances that they'll see obviously more of that in the next couple of weeks the closer you get but it is to that point where you start to care a little bit more about what's going on instead of just saying oh, it's it's spring it's early it doesn't matter it doesn't mean anything I think there's still pieces of that that won't mean anything until it's either replicated or contradicted by regular season games. But, you know, to see Jordan Hicks in actual game situation, to see uh, the the drama with the starting rotation that was and now <laughs> question mark. Um, and then to see some of the, the regulars getting really solid work in like Tyler O'Neill, for example, impressing yet again this spring and some guys who are having those moments that, you know, you hope for in the spring when you're maybe a bubble guy, as far as the roster is concerned to have that impact. John Nagowski is someone that all of a sudden has everyone talking. Is there a spot for him on this roster? I'm not sure, but he's certainly making the case for it if there is one. So lots of interesting stories at this point based on the results that we're seeing which become more and more important from this point on, I think. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I pulled the box score up from today, and of course, Tyler O'Neill, three for three, brings him up to a 476 average for the spring. Yeah. And it's not like he's had like six at bats or anything. I mean, he's like right. one of the ones that's played regularly. So, um, and it's last I knew Friday night when Alex and Alan and I were talking on Mimi and Mutual, you know, he was leading the team in home runs with two, but still, um, <laughs> you know, that's a. Uh, that's an intriguing line. And I know we've seen some good stuff out of him in spring that didn't necessarily carry over, but you know, again, you don't factor in yes last year because that didn't count for anything. So, um, you know, maybe he is taking a, you know, going to go grab this opportunity and run with it. And, you know, got hit 500 for the season, but it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see this early in spring. I mean, if he wants to, that would be yeah. fine. I wouldn't be mad about it. No, it is good to see. And I think, as Louis is uh, making his case for, you know, his favorite players in the spring, <laughs> it's the squeaking that you hear. Um, I think that it's really good to see another strong spring from Tyler O'Neill in the sense that, I mean, I guess on the one hand you could say, yeah, well, we've seen it before, but at the same time, he continues to make progress. He continues to make changes. He continues to try to be 
as best prepared for an everyday role as he can, despite the fact that he hasn't really always been given, he isn't, I should say, he's he's rarely, if ever, been given those sort of regular player kind of opportunities to have a spot, own it, and live up to some of that potential. So it's it would be concerning, I think, to see a rough, season, rough spring training from Tyler O'Neill at this point. <laughs> Um, whereas, you know, if you see a terrific start, you can kind of say, okay, that's going to even out at some point, but you can at least say he's making good contact. The swing looks good. His, his, uh, timing is where it needs to be as much as we can sort of hedge our bets on the results at this point in the spring. It's still nice to see, especially in direct comparison to something like we've seen from Matt Carpenter or even Harrison Bader to some extent, as far as that outfield is concerned, not really showing the improvements that they thought they had made coming into the spring. So even if it's more of the same from Tyler O'Neill in spring, spring training stats, at least it's more of the same, which lets us know he's still very capable it's just sort of the repetition of it in the regular season against the pitching that he's going to see all the time. And with the wear and tear of 162 games, that's the part that we still need to see confirmed from a player like Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. But the biggest thing is, you know, as much as we like, to, there's some things to talk about with the offense for sure. But as you mentioned, the, the, the pitching in general, but really the starting rotation has taken a few hits this week um that miles michaelis which we've been talking about miles michaelis since people started showing up at jupiter because there's always this it's not serious but you know we're gonna push him back a little bit well now the pushing back and the pushing back it's now he's not gonna make it for opening day and we really don't have any idea when he might be around then kk this week comes out with back problem which they're just going to push him back a little bit because they're really not sure. You know, again, I, it's, it's a rare time when the Cardinals come out. I remember with Alex Reyes and with Adam Wainwright, they, they kind of came out and said, you know, these guys are done. <laughs> you know, Every other year, though, it's, well, it might be okay. It might not be. And then all of a sudden you look up at the All-Star break and you don't have these guys. Losing two parts of the starting rotation normally the Cardinals have good depth, but this feels like, you know, maybe call up somebody that's not signed yet. Yeah. I used the word fragile mm -hmm. for this pitching staff. I believe Mike Maddox used the word adaptable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's your glass half full perspective. No, it's definitely not something that you want to hear at this point in the spring. I think, Maybe it's the same for all fan bases, but I think Cardinals fans in particular are sort of conditioned to lose at least one starting pitcher in the spring. It seems like it happens without fail every year. I would be interested to go back and see the last time it did not happen because we've all obviously forgotten about that yep. because of the rarity. So it's not entirely surprising to see someone go down. I think Michaelis was always a question mark in my mind simply because that return from last year being off. Not that last season was anything to <laughs> create predictions based on, right. but just the timing and coming back off of an injury and not having seen him in so long and, you know, watching him be everything that he was in the first season with the Cardinals and kind of take a step back in the, the following season, at least in terms of consistency of performance, 
uh, it was a question mark about what he would look like when he got back to that that healthy level, uh, which he's apparently not found yet. So the concern is there on on multiple levels with him because it's not only a shoulder issue. It's something that they can't figure out. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be much longer of a process than if it's a simple diagnosis of, oh, yep, here's the tear. It's going to be six to eight weeks. As far as the back issue with KK, we'd seen velocity dips. We'd heard him talk about, I don't know why that's happening. I don't know what's happening there. You know, he kind of talked to the mental approach in, I think, his second or third start where he looked a lot better. And now there's this. So it's that sort of roller coaster of expecting something to happen, riding that wave of pushing back against, is it really that bad? Is it not really that bad? And then looking for who's going to step up. This was already a team that needed someone to step up into a possible rotation spot. And now you're looking at another guy down uh, and and possibly out of the mix. I think Ponce de Leon is the, the sort of natural choice there. John Gant has made a push for it. I think there are some young guys that have the potential to be rotation guys. I don't know if they're there at this point, but you're right. It, it sort of underscores the fact that this is once again, look, they, they just traded for Nolan Arnauto in a deal that rocked baseball. I get that. But this is an organization that seems to have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to outside pitching and the value that that can add. There's something really special about the way that this organization develops pitchers, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's no value in bringing out someone who is a bit more battle tested or who you know what they're they have to offer or who you are willing to take that risk on because the upside is there. We saw Jake Odorizzi sign late in, uh, I guess, earlier this spring. I was going to say late in the offseason, early in the spring, however you want to look at that, <laughs> but not with the Cardinals. He was a name that had been associated as a, well, this might be an interesting addition to a rotation. And it seems like every year, I know I'm rambling on and on, but <laughs> it seems like every year, the Cardinals come into the spring and think, man, we've got eight guys for five rotation spots. And then all of a sudden you lose two of the starters that you were counting on and you go, we've got three guys for five rotation spots (laughs) and you wonder what happened. So it's not that there aren't arms there, but in the absence of an Austin Gomber type who has been in that spot before you have some untested arms that don't make you feel super great about the reliability of the rotation, uh, even if you know you want to spin it as adaptability. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the Cardinals have used that depth in the last three or four years. They used, they traded two pitchers to Miami for, um, for Marcelo Zuna. They traded, you know, Luke Weaver in the deal for Paul Goldschmidt and now Austin Gomber has gone to Colorado in, in each time in a vacuum, it made sense, right? Cause they had all these pictures, but now now the bills coming due a little bit on that. Um, you know, you would like to think that, you know, maybe a Johan Oviedo can get some time in and, and maybe this is a year where starting pitching isn't that big a thing because they're only going to go two or three innings and you know, the bullpen's going to take over anyway. Um, as people start ramping up, <coughs> excuse me, um, 
pitch pitch counts and and innings limits and all that kind of stuff this year. You know, maybe this is the year that you can get away with it. But boy, it's a lot of time, a lot of room to fill. Um, it still seems to me that the Cardinals probably should take a look at you know revisit that Alex Reyes thing, right? I mean, they've already come out and said he's going to be the bullpen, but. Oh boy, you know, trying to get a hundred innings out of that, you know, unless you're piggybacking with another starter, and if that's the case, you might as well just start him. Um, it, it seems difficult to do. I mean, do you think that this extra addition, if KK is going to be out for any length of time, will make them readjust, or is it, you know, is it Gant and, and Ponce and pretty much pray for rain? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's been a lot of talk from the outside looking in at this organization about that kind of piggyback structure or six man rotation. There's also been a lot of pushback from within the organization on that, mm-hmm. whether it's because the, <laughs> it's always fascinating to me that the the other starting pitchers don't want that. So that's why we're not doing it. And it's like, well, I don't, is that their decision to make? Yeah. Do yeah. they get to make that call? Like who's in charge here? Um, they don't want to do that because that's exactly opposite of what they have trained to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, starting pitchers love that routine and mm-hmm. they're at their best when that routine is consistent and is predictable and is manageable in every sense of the word. But I also understand that the, the field staff, the coaches, the management, whoever it is, has to be able to make those difficult decisions regardless of what certain guys want because it's what they've always done before. And that's very easy for me to sit here and say in my living room, very far away from Adam Wainwright and Jack Clarity. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think that if that was deemed to be the best use of the talent that the Cardinals have, it shouldn't be disregarded because Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright don't want to. And, I don't know that that's the that's the reality of the situation, but that is often how it's presented, right? Is that, well, the starting pitchers don't like that idea. Well, I don't think the starting pitchers like it when you pull them in the fourth inning when they have the bases loaded and they've given up six runs either, but you're going to do it. <laughs> so maybe you do something because it's for the better of the entire team. And if they really are that adaptable, they will learn how to adapt. I'm going to run that word into the ground because I find it hilarious <laughs> that we're looking at this pitching staff and deciding to describe it as, well, we're very adaptable. It's the new flexible, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. We heard that term for the Cardinals for so long. We're, we're, Roster is flexible. Okay, now we've moved on to adaptable, and we'll see how adaptable they really are if they are put in a situation where they just don't have five sort of traditional starting pitchers that can be as effective as if maybe you approach that fifth spot a little bit differently. And I don't know that they're going to have the resolve to do that if it messes with someone's schedule and they have to learn how to do something else or if they're going to try to just muscle through it like they have done in the past and to be clear I'm not even saying that that's the very best option for this team I'm just saying I would like for it to be considered in light of not having the personnel you thought you were going to have yeah because it's what's best for the team not just because (laughs) The players on the field want to pitch every five days or they, you know, want to whatever it is. And and all of that is I don't have to deal with the players. So it's easy for me to say that. But it it is the part of management that gets a little tricky sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, 
it's interesting they use that the pitchers don't want it excuse or at least the former manager did about shifts you know that they didn't yeah. want that and then you know mike schultz came along and they started shifting and you know we kind of like it doesn't really matter we can win ball games this way um so yeah i think that there's a lot to that if you're just saying that it's you know a preference issue that's you know sometimes you just have to go against that now it it also is a point a thing where you probably want Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright to pitch as many innings mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to piggyback them and sometimes trying to figure out how to do it for some and not for others is a different situation. But um, I don't know. I, they, they're going to have to figure out something. They're going to either they're going to have to be adaptable to the situation because this is not the way you drew it up. I mean, the idea was that Michaelis would be back and Kim would at least. You know, those two guys would give you innings. You didn't necessarily know what kind of innings they were going to be, what kind of you know quality innings that they should have been at least league average or a little bit better innings. And now, boy, I don't know. I mean, Ponce de Leon kind of settled in after his, but the first two innings he threw like 50 pitches because he was walking and around, you know, that wildness that we've seen out of Ponce de Leon quite a bit. I'm still not sold on John Gant as a starter uh, after all this time away. And, you know, he's starting for the, against the Nationals tomorrow, but right now has a 7 ERA in the spring. Not that it, you know, isn't something that all the rest of the starting pitchers have either. But, <laughs> um, you know, I but you know, I don't see a. There's not that obvious option. There's not a Flaherty in the minor leagues. You know, Matthew Levitore and Zach Thompson are probably still a little bit of time away. Um, it, those are not guys you want to throw right into the starting rotation. I think those are guys that you want to do the Adam Wainwright route, right? You know, they come up and they pitch in the bullpen for a year before they turn it into the, the rotation. So I don't know, but it puts a whole lot of pressure on the guys that are still there. You know, Jack Flaherty needs to be the Jack Flaherty that we think he can be. Adam Wainwright needs to be the guy that we've seen in the last two years. And then there's that fulcrum, I guess, of Carlos Martinez, who went four innings today, struggled early, kind of settled in. Uh, has an ERA of eight this spring. Again, they've had some times where they've had to roll innings on him. How much confidence do you take into this season with Carlos Martinez instead of being what he was probably going to be your fifth starter? Now looks like he's probably going to be your third starter. (laughs) Yeah, that question has sort of been answered for Mm -hmm. him at this point and for the organization, I think. You know, I have made no secret of the fact that I want so desperately for Alex Reyes to be a success story, whatever that looks like. I think the same could be said for Carlos Martinez. And I know that perhaps it's naive to hold on to those highest peaks of potential and hope that either of those two pitchers get to that point consistently. (laughs) But I know what it did for this team when they were there. More with Carlos Martinez and Alex Reyes because he was never he was never really there <laughs> at the major league level. We saw that at the minor league level, but that's about it. But when Carlos was that guy, and I know there were still moments of inconsistency. I know that he was still building in terms of the the being able to replicate a great start. And the mind game with Carlos Martinez is certainly a part of that. The physical elements of coming back from the the injury that sidelined him. And I feel like I say this all the time, but 
he's not notorious for injuries. It was mm-hmm. just kind of that one year that went south and he's had a hard time getting back. But as much as there has been reason to talk about either his preparation or his, you know, the way that he is uh, managing those, those health issues, or if he's still concerned about re-injuring the shoulder, whatever it is, right. Mm -hmm. There's reason to talk about that, but he was also brought back into situations that maybe weren't great for getting him back to that starting spot. And I mean, what I mean by that is he came back in a year that they decided he wasn't healthy enough to be a starter. So they put him in the bullpen, which was odd in the way that that was all handled. We saw how that played out. He didn't have innings then to build off of for the next season. Then there was some question about the stability of the shoulder the following year and what it took to get him back to that level and decided maybe it was better for him to, when he was a starter so that he could, prepare with the same routine again back to that idea of the starters like having their routine instead of you know something else was that better for him or was it better for him in the bullpen where he had to be ready every single day mm-hmm. there's some of that that plays in so the circumstances in which he came back after that injury have been a little weird ever since yeah. and th- we've gone back to that same question of bullpen versus rotation and i don't think that's been helpful in establishing the right mindset for Carlos Martinez to be the successful starter that he once was, because it's always this balancing act. It's always this idea of, well, if I don't pitch well today, I'm going to go back to the bullpen. And whether he wants to be there or not, it's, it's that sort of unknown. I think having any confidence in Carlos Martinez in the bullpen, or rather in the rotation, is difficult at this point because we see the inconsistency. But for me, the possibility is very much still there and my possibly naive desire (laughs) to see Carlos Martinez live up to those expectations once again is certainly still there so giving him maybe the clarity of yes you're going to be in the rotation even if it's because of necessity not because congratulations you earned the second spot in the rotation based on your spring training maybe that will give him the stability that he needs to not feel like his job is at stake every time he goes out to pitch and maybe taking that off the table will give him a little more of an opportunity to continue with the development of the the mindset that he needs to be in every time he goes out there. I don't know. And at this point it's entirely speculation on my part, but there's so much to like about the pitcher that Carlos Martinez can be that I have a really hard time giving up on that, especially knowing now how badly this rotation needs him. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to just hope right now a little bit. I mean, it's still there. It may not be like you said, the top notch, that maximum level, but he's still better than a lot of alternatives. And I mean, you can still dream on that. You know, there is reason to believe that at least, you know, maybe not every night that he goes out there, but there are going to be some nights where he is on. And yeah. that's more than you can say for some other guys. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be so important to watch him. Um, looking at the, the stats, I do you think, I, it's not the way they've used him, He's had a pretty good strength. Do you think Tommy Parsons could get into that mix? I mean, he's been a, a starter in the past. Um, 
he's only had one game at Memphis. That was two years ago. Of course, he didn't play much last year. But, you know, I know the Cardinals have shown a little bit of confidence in him, bringing him into some tough situations. I feel like he's probably in that, you know, bullpen mindset right now. But, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. That's one guy that not having a chance to watch a whole lot of spring training games is it's disappointing to me that I haven't been able to see a whole lot of that because the name's definitely there. The conversation is definitely there. People are, are seeing him in those situations. I wonder sometimes what the intent is behind some of those appearances. And and we know that's, that's how spring goes, right? It's not always mm-hmm. just about a schedule of who needs to get their work in. It's sometimes, okay, who do we want to see and what situation do we want to see them in? What do we want them to work on in a particular circumstance, in a particular situation? So the fact that he's been out there as much as he has, that he continues to be part of that mix and part of that conversation, I think bodes really well for him in terms of gaining that attention so that even if he doesn't make the roster out of the spring, he's already got the eye of the people that he needs in his corner when they need someone else to come up because they certainly will. And, Mm. you know, (laughs) with the, with the way things are going, it might not be very long before (laughs) they do. So it's, it's one of those situations where it seems like he's doing everything he needs to do to put himself in a position to be a part of the mix. Now, what that means as far as roster spots, I think is still very much TBD, but I love seeing someone come into the spring and, own the opportunities that they have and take full advantage of them in leaving an impression that makes you go, Oh, do we have room for him on the roster? Cause this might be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, yeah, there's going to be some interesting decisions and um, I don't think any of the first cuts were, were surprising. Maybe a little bit of junior Fernandez just because he has had some major league time that he was going to be cut so early, but um I think the next ones are going to be kind of interesting to see how they start shaping who gets more time over the last uh, two and a half weeks. So, um, but to, to shift uh, from the starting rotation to the bullpen for just our last topic, Jordan Hicks did make his debut in the spring this, uh, this day uh, against the Mets this afternoon. Um, Faced one batter. And normally, if you look at the thing and it says the guy is coming back, he's supposed to pitch a whole inning, and he threw to one batter, you get a little concerned, right? I mean, that just doesn't look good in the box score (laughs) Um, because something happened. You know, what's going on? What's wrong? Instead, this was a 22-pitch at bat. It's probably more pitches than he was actually (laughs) planning on pitching for that inning. Um, Not surprising that he only faced this a Mets player who I do not know. I'll have to look it up, but walked him. On the whole, he looked okay. Still hit 100, 101.4, I think, or something like that. He's still throwing. He just, and, and you and I were talking beforehand, it seemed more about tipping your cap than finding something wrong. Because obviously, you get a little concerned when a, ca- a pitcher can't, a pitcher especially of Jordan Hicks's caliber, can't put a guy away, but he was around the zone. He was throwing good pitches. He, the guy just kept getting a bat on him. Yeah. And that's been the concern for Jordan Hicks in the past, right? Not necessarily getting a lot of strikeouts despite the high velocity. 
I did see a, a quote from him after the game today where he was talking about the fact that he only threw fastballs in his, uh, what was a sort of simulated inning on a backfield uh, last week. And this time he was trying to mix in some of the off-speed stuff. And it was there. He was throwing it for strikes, not getting a lot of hard contact on it, obviously, which is one thing that the velocity does, one thing that the movement on the slider does. But it's odd, and it's always been odd as far as Jordan Hicks is concerned, that there aren't more strikeouts to go with the velocity and to go with the movement of those pitches. Mm. I think Mike Schilt's point today was for somebody to foul off that many pitches in a row, it means that he's throwing a lot of strikes, which is a good thing. But that kind of put-away moment, that put-away pitch wasn't there, and that doesn't mean that it won't be. This was the first time he's really had the chance to go full throttle against someone that isn't, you know, wearing the same team name on his, on his shirt. <laughs> so that part, again, this is with Jordan Hicks. I feel like we're back to the very first week of spring training where you're like, does it mean anything? I don't know, <laughs> but you know, 22 pitches to the same batter. That's quite the dilemma. And to, you know, then walk him, I don't think is uncommon in lengthy at bats like that because <laughs> the batter kind of gains the advantage there once they've seen everything you've got. Um, but I, I do think the, the command that was there is a good sign. The velocity that was there is a good sign. We're still just looking for whatever it is from Jordan Hicks that will get a swing and a miss. And if there's, I think before the injury, we saw him playing with a changeup every now and then. And, you know, of course his changeup is faster than I think Adam Wainwright's fastball, but nonetheless, <laughs> the, the speed variation to go with the movement of the slider and the velocity of the fastball, maybe something like that makes sense. I don't know, but I wouldn't take too much from it other than to go, huh, don't see that every day. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, the biggest thing was he was still hitting velocity and he was still healthy. Um, you know, he didn't have any issues when he came off the mound. And I'm sure we'll be ready to go out there again in a day or two. So um, having him at the end of games is still a good thing. And we don't necessarily know how the line the bullpen is going to form around him necessarily. Got some ideas, but there's some, also some guys, you know, Andrew Miller just made his finally made one appearance so far and it struggled in it. You start wondering a little bit about his health and things of that nature. Um, so we don't know what that's going to look like. And I do feel like the Cardinals have plenty of bullpen arms, un unlike the starting rotation. Yeah, I would uh, agree. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, we just have to wait and see. And, and But I, again, Jordan Hicks, healthy, is really all we really needed to know. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the footnote to the, uh, you know, novelty of a 22-pitch at bat is cool and something he'll probably – talk about for a long long time um but that's probably not the biggest takeaway of the day <laughs> maybe not but no. the most uh odd weird spring training probably not going to see that happen again kind of thing so yep. we we can appreciate it as well absolutely absolutely all right well we'll be back at you next week we will be that much closer to spring training being over and opening day being here and and maybe we'll have a little bit more clarity on the starting rotation by that point. Maybe there'll be a new Cardinal in cap before then. Um, wouldn't really count on it, but yeah, who knows? Rick Porcello is still out there, a guy that's 
had some success in the past. Maybe he could be a four starter for this Cardinal team. But um, for right now, it's probably the people in, in uh, camp, and we'll talk about them next week. So for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.